Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. We are continuing coverage of Breaking Bad. We're into season two, episode nine, four days out. Uh, this was uh, directed by Michelle McLaren, written by Sam Catlin. Uh, first appeared on our screens on May the third, two thousand and nine. A, a pretty memorable episode, this one, I think. Um, and and lots of fantastic stuff to get into here. Lots of Walt and Jesse stuff. Lots of um, meth cooking montages. Lots of beautiful shots of of New Mexico. So, really looking forward to getting into what I think is a a very interesting episode to talk about. Um, my name is Nick, and smoking marijuana, eating Cheetos, and masturbating do not constitute plans. Yep, there it is. Uh, my name is Ben, and do I have another quote? Uh, I wanted to leave them on the counter, bitch. <laughs> that masturbating one is just too good to pass up. I oh. think, you know, it's, that is, and, and it's delivered by Walt, which I love as well. Because are you uh, no, are you saying something, Nick? Is that two in a row now for masturbating? I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I seem to be <laughs> seem to have a, an inadvertent theme here. Maybe it's a, 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 Freud, a, Freud, a Freudian slip there, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's. Um, I think this is one of the one of the episodes that is, um, I guess, held up as being like a really great episode. Um, and one of the things that the show does um, from time to time is, is have these episodes that that really focus on one story almost the whole way through. So there's a little bit of stuff around the outside of this episode, which is you might argue is the best part of the episode. But um, I think that you know that that kind of I would say like 85, 90% of the episodes focused on Jesse and Walt, you know, alone is, um, is, is an interesting way to kind of um, film this episode. Yeah. I think I mentioned last week about how kind of the next couple of episodes, you know, sort of, yeah, take a bit of a step back in a way, sort of a play down a little bit. And I, I kind of think it's almost, I'm not saying they're bad episodes, but I, yeah, I've seen a lot of love for this episode and I'm not saying necessarily that I dislike this episode. It's just kind of, this is getting a lot of praise. I think you mentioned it on IMDb. It's got the same rating as last week. Um, and I mean, look, I don't, I do not agree with that at all, but it's interesting. It's just like, it's kind of one of these episodes where I feel like a lot of TV shows will have the standard, let's lock two characters in a room or kind of like, let's just have an episode like this where kind of you just got something to, you know, two characters have to get to know each other or get through adversity in some form or another. So it's interesting. It really is. Like, I think I, I, I like the way this episode ends. I mean, it's got a very iconic scene mm. at the end, uh, even sort of Jesse and Walt. They've got some really nice moments by the end of this episode. And again, I like a good episode where both Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul really act off each other and just the chemistry when they're just literally like yelling at each other all the time. It's great. Um, but yeah, I, do, I don't know if I agree with the praise this episode gets as like an all-time great episode, but it's it's still a 
solid episode. It's, I mean, it's it's decent. And maybe this is, again, one of these ones where by the end of us talking about it, I'm going to like it a lot more or just kind of be where I am right now. Because I don't know really where I sit in terms of how I super feel about this episode, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it's kind of interesting because um, I've been talking a bit about, you know, where, where possible I've been trying to listen to the, the commentaries on the, the Blu-rays and, um, you know, not every episode has them. Um, but, you know, last week did have one and it was like quite an informative, kind of told me quite a lot about what was Whereas this one, um, it doesn't have all those kind of fun little tidbits and trivia potentially, but it, it has a lot about the filmmaking and the, well, the, the TV making and the art behind it. And, you know, they get into, oh, how we did this shot and this shot is beautiful and um, and they're not wrong, <laughs> um, but it's there's, a, there's much more of a focus on how this was kind of filmed and set up as opposed to kind of the plot and the, and the actors, which I think probably speaks to the differences I feel between these two episodes anyway. Yeah, sorry, I was, I was swallowing some coffee there just to uh, sound very unprofessional. Um, <laughs> yeah, visually, it's I mean, it's its amazing. This could be the most visually impressive episode so far of this show and, and maybe the most visually impressive of the entire series. Who knows? And, you know, if you're doing it from that standpoint and a technical standpoint, it is a great episode. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, there's a very infamous episode that we're going to get to eventually, which is going to be, you know, I've been saying now, probably our longest ever episode because we're going to be talking about that. Um, and you know, that's interpreted on many, many different levels, just like, I guess this episode is, but, um, yeah, visually, I mean, that would be very interesting to see how they kind of did it. Cause yeah, it's sort of the way they're set and everything along those lines, it would be, you know, very unique, but it's all like, I think too, like maybe it's one of these episodes, if you're really into science shit, like, <laughs> like, you know, let's build a battery. Yeah. Um, why yeah. not? But so it's also like one thing I will say though, like you, and I know we've both talked about kind of episodes that development of the character moving the plot forward things like that this is a pretty important episode particularly for walt and sort of his diagnosis and kind of why he's doing this and everything along those lines i mean the the final scene when we get to it kind of sums up a lot about this episode and kind of walt in general so yeah we're going to have a very iconic scene in this episode which will maybe make the final five at the end of the season um and it's a very important episode for the character of walt so yeah there's lots of layers that make this a very important episode it's just how we interpret that and how we're going to work out what we overall feel about it i guess compared to others yeah, yeah, totally. So, I mean, let, let's get into it. And, you know, it opens up with uh, the whole family. So, Walt Schuyler, Walt Jr., Hank and Marie, all in the, the waiting room of the um, the radiology clinic where Walt's going to begin a scan, which is going to reveal more about how he's re- uh, um, responding to treatment. And um, this was actually shot in the lobby of, of the offices, the Breaking Bad offices, um, as it seems to be quite a lot of, you know, these kind of um, little office scenes are often actually filmed in the offices that they had hired to, to, you know, for the production crew. But um, yeah, I think I think it's you know it, it kind of just the setup for you know what the big reveal at the end of the episode and and um, you know um, what kind of you know goes into the bathroom and, and has this big coughing fit and um, then we kind of see him having the CT scan and um, you know like as he's kind of coming out he kind of talks to the technician through the window and says oh you know how did I do type of thing and and the technician says he's not going to get the the details until next week but he catches like a I don't know if it's a reflection or if he just kind of sees the, the side of this the shot I think but it's a reflection isn't it like, yeah, you know, like a frame yeah. picture or something along those lines right right but anyway it kind of you know he sees it and there's this kind of massive big shaded area in his lungs so um he's obviously thinking the worst and it's kind of setting us up to you know the, the end of the episode we're expected to think that you know things are not going well um that he hasn't responded to the treatment that it's gotten worse and and that's also married up 
with the coughing fit that he just had in the um in, in the bathroom so it's kind of it's kind of just setting us up for bad news at the end of the episode i think it's a it's a good way set up to, to head us into the episode I like this guy in the bathroom. Are you okay, man? You okay? Like, it just, it reminds me of, um, I, I want this to be Austin Powers. Like, grab a hold something, bite <laughs> your lip, and just let it go. <laughs> Who does number two work for? Uh, Tom Arnold basically going off at Austin. Um, yeah, I, something's happened to me, Nick, in the last few weeks. I'm starting to appreciate Marie. Like, I just, like, just, I don't know what it is. Like, here I am bagging her out saying she's a more annoying one than Skylar, but just all of a sudden, maybe it was Colin. Maybe it was Colin's message when he's like, why don't you appreciate this character? Uh, because I just I just kind of like Marie just being snarky here and just kind of basically like, well, if you come to my thing, you know, uh, us technicians are smarter than doctors. Like, you know, they, they never give us credit. You know, we can tell straight away. Like, and I love how kind of like Walt takes on board. <laughs> That on board, and just Hank sitting there, kind of like you know, smug little look, like yeah, come on, listen to my wife, and Skylar, just like I just love Skylar's kind of sarcasm. He's like, oh okay, and just all these Walt never turned down a good time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like just gets up and goes in. So I don't know. I just kind of appreciate this uh, little scene, but um, yeah, it's kind but of I, it, it is a bit yeah. setting up the scene, isn't it? Sort of when you see and like it's yeah, you see like this massive mark. On, on his sort of lung and it, I mean god I, I can't imagine what that would be like if that was you and you didn't know anything and you see this massive thing on like if that was an x-ray of your lungs you'd be like holy crap that's that's scary mm, yeah and um I think you know my my mum is a nurse and I've got lots of nurses in my family and um I think that it's one of those things you kind of see that meme on Facebook sometimes of like you know whenever a doctor tells you that they know everything they could never set up all these kind of you know the the, the um, tubes and and all that kind of stuff and um, I think that that's quite true you know and some of what Marie's saying is that you know doctors think they know everything but actually sometimes it's the technicians you need to kind of tell you these things um, so so yeah I think there's definitely a point to be made there for sure um, we kind of then move into Saul's office um, and talking about you know that Saul's going to be able to help him with the money laundering and all that kind of stuff um, and I um, I just love this, you know, talking about the finances that go into it and the percentage cut that he's going to take and how much money have you got? And they're kind of expecting Walt to tell him a much bigger figure than he actually has. And it's actually only $16,000, um, <laughs> which, you know, um, Saul kind of works that out and, and figures out that Walt's going to get a return of 9,000 on that. So um, there's work to be done in terms of, in terms of cooking. And, and that's the advice that Saul gives him. So that's just, again, setting us up for, for, for where we're going in this episode. I think I don't know. I maybe wasn't paying enough attention uh, last week, but is this the first time we see the world's greatest lawyer mug on his death de- desk? I should say, because um, I'm I'm seeing it here, but I, I don't know if you saw it last week, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, m- might have done it. It certainly didn't jump out to me last week, um, but it, it's quite possible that it was there as well. And this is uh, the only soul scene we get this episode too, isn't it? So um, yeah, you know that's a bit sad, but yeah, no, it's it's kind of um, yeah, like it's. I mean, the desperation, I guess, isn't it, where all of a sudden, well, because, like, this is the thing, like, what, a couple of weeks ago they had $90,000 and all of a sudden they've had to pay 80000 and they're kind of doing this and doing that. So what, what I like about kind of this, the plot of this season is how, you know, you kind of almost feel for the first time that Walt and Jesse are getting ahead now, right? Like, kind of, you know, they've gotten mm-hmm. rid of Tuco, they've, they've had the Crazy 8 scenario and kind of like, okay, well, they're doing this thing by themselves now, so they're okay, but ultimately it's not. And as we're going to get in a couple of weeks, we're going to sort of find out their next way of getting better with this. So... Yeah, I mean, any soul scene's good. Uh, just, it, you know, could have had more soul, you know, this episode, <laughs> basically. 
you can never have enough really yeah. um and then you like to kind of finish it this is our kind of a last setup scene before we kind of get into things proper is um you know like um skyler suggests that they do something over the weekend to kind of take their minds off waiting for scan results and walt says he actually wants to go and see his mother and he hasn't told her yet and um and you know he's she kind of figures out from what he's saying that he expects the the news to be bad and, and obviously he's got a reason for thinking that which he hasn't shared with her yet um and and then she kind of you know says that she expects him to be good you know like is trying to keep positive and all that kind of stuff so um yeah just the final little setup really before we kind of get into what the plan's going to be for the rest of this episode so yeah just just a small scene there really i've got a personal question for you nick mm-hmm. uh are you, are you glass half full glass half empty Kind of where where do you sit here? If this is if you're in a situation like this, uh, if I'm being totally honest, I'm probably the glass half empty type. I'm probably the Walt type of yeah. Um, always going to think worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent with you there. But I mean, look, it's props to people like Skylar when they can kind of think these sort of things in these situations. Because I guess if they're both sitting in bed going like, oh no, he's going to die, like it's going to be a pretty depressing sort of day. And Skylar doesn't come across as a type of person who's going to be, you know, I mean, we remember the pillow scene last season. I keep drinking coffee and banging microphones I'm getting animated this episode nick um so yeah like i mean it's it's a simple nice scene and i yeah because i always forget that we don't ever see walt's mum. i know we've talked about this before but um kind of we get a bit more of a background though supposedly on his mum because just how like he's doesn't he do like an impression of his mum here or something like that like oh the nurses are gonna steal oh, yeah. my change or something yeah, like that. yeah yeah <laughs> which yeah. it's what i find interesting about skylar and walt like i know i talked about it a few episodes ago but kind of like we started this season off where skylar's you know just, just ghosting him basically not talking to him but kind of i guess the amount of time that goes past like it's kind of i'm not really forgiven him but they're kind of almost back to normal like do we know how long this season is set like because again like she's seven months pregnant and she's sort of very close to popping out so is again Mm. is we only over a couple of weeks a month like because she's kind of forgiven him pretty and just moved on pretty quickly so it feels like it's about two months doesn't it like in Mm. terms of the pregnancy being the kind of uh, the biggest way we can we can evaluate time so um yeah i mean that's my best guess is two to three months maybe um which yeah you're right is not a huge amount of time which is which is interesting um yeah and then we we cut to jesse's house and he's in bed with jane and the the wonderful yellow sheets i don't know if this is the first time i've seen the yellow sheets but um (laughs) they're they're pretty great and and um you know she she wants to uh to go to the the georgia o'keefe um exhibition at the museum sure Um, we'll say georgia o'keefe yep yeah i think that's that's correct um and so yeah they've kind of got these plans and and um then the phone rings and kind of jesse runs out to kind of answer the phone and it's it's walt obviously who wants to cook um and you know jesse's kind of saying that he's got plans and not particularly happy about about this arrangement um but but yeah and and then so walt kind of seals the deal by telling this lie that the methylamine's about to go bad so they need to make use of it before that happens um so this is obviously the the quote that i used at the start is during this scene and um you know it's uh, the whole thing about you know plan plans that include sitting around eating um eating cheetos and masturbating so this is where this comes from which is great it's just delivered in such a dry way and uh, the the, com- the commentary um was quite funny they're talking about this great scene where they've got walt at a payphone and they're saying oh in five years time people will be like what the hell's a payphone and i, I think that's pretty much come true right <laughs> i remember last time i saw a payphone so uh yeah i think that that's a that's a uh, prediction that they've got right in this case yeah um which do they still 
When I lived in New Zealand, I should be able to answer this question. I don't know if I ever saw a payphone in Invercargill. I don't think they've been invented there yet. Well, it's Invercargill. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I know there was a big thing in Australia where they were, like, getting rid of a lot of them, but they were forced to keep some. So, like, they're not completely gone, but they're hard to find. Because mm. I, think, I think it's more of an emergency thing that you need to have them, um, you know, in case, basically. So... Um, now, just quickly, the uh, Georgia O'Keeffe Museum, anybody listening, if you want to visit it, it's located at 217 Johnson Street in Santa Fe. Uh, so uh, head along there. You can check it out. <laughs> it's apparently a real museum. So there you go. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of offended by Walt. What's wrong with, uh, you know, masturbating and eating Cheetos and smoking? Well, maybe not that one, but, like, the other two, like eating Cheetos and masturbating, it's a good Sunday afternoon, if you ask me. <laughs> There's worse ways to spend your day, right? There's a lot worse. Listen to the Oz Networks, one of them. Like, stop listening to this. Go and buy some Cheetos and jerk off. Like, rub one out. Go and do it. Um, yeah, like... There's not a whole lot really to like, – I, I do – one thing I'll say, like, is I like sort of forgiving Jane. Like, it's kind of – not even forgiving Jane. It's kind of just – like, we're going to get more of that next episode, isn't it? It's kind of like J- Jane doesn't really care, which is kind of interesting because I'm not trying to stereotype here, but it's kind of like you don't really assume this in a relationship. I'm not just saying it's just a female thing, but, like, if it was the other way around, you know what I mean? Like, e- mm. even if it's new, you're going to be questioning it. Like, mm. we've had that from Skylar, so it's kind of almost like a, hmm, why doesn't this girl, like, want to question Jesse about all this sort of stuff? But, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's interesting. But, again, I, I like any Jesse-Jane dynamic. The yellow sheets are terrible. Um, and also we've got that uh, classic case of the L-shaped uh, bed yes. sheets, which yes. always happen in uh, TV shows and movies on certain networks that don't involve boobies. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, if this had been on uh, on HBO, maybe sort of a whole different story. So, um, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll I don't, I just, the thing that I never get about, this is, this is a random tangent, like, why can't they just cover the guy's chest as well? Why, like, like, doesn't that make more sense if you yeah. like literally just have it over, like, up to the net? Like, is there a thing where it's like we can't show boobs, but we have to show a shirtless man? Yeah, like, it, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. Like, just cover yeah. the guy's shirt, the chest as well. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of weird, eh? Like, it's uh, it, it just takes me back to Shortland Street again. I never like to reference that show, so but it just kind of feels like every second scene on Shortland Street is this. So. Yeah, I'm going to move on because it makes me angry even thinking about Shortland Street. Yeah, why do you keep mentioning it, Nick? Uh, yeah, masturbating yeah, in Shortland yeah, Street. Yeah. What do you do it's at like 6.30 every weeknight? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we head to the airport and Skylar's dropping Walt off at the airport. This is an actual airport as well. This isn't a set or anything like this. This is the, the actual Albuquerque uh, airport. Um, doesn't look that different from the Hamilton airport, which is interesting. I should really look at what the population of Albuquerque is. It would be interesting to kind of get a bit of a feel for the size of the Nick. city. I'm on it, Nick. I'm on it. Keep talking. <laughs> you're a fact checker. <laughs> Um, but you know, so she, so she drops him off under this assumption that you know he's flying out to visit his mother. And I'm not sure we we know exactly where his mother is. Did, has that ever been brought up? On, um, no. Um, I mean, there's a there's a, a page on her on Breaking Bad wiki. Um, so I don't know if it says where she lives. Um, yeah. I don't know. No, it doesn't say where she lives. Right, so right. So, so yeah, and, and anyway, um, you know, Skylar obviously drives off, assuming that Walt's getting on a plane. He stands there for a bit, and um, and um, I think Vince Gilligan's quite taken by the kind of silhouetted shot of, of Walt waiting to be picked up. Um, he, he thinks that's a very um, cinematic, theatrical um, shot, so which I'd agree with. It's a nice shot. Um, and um, And 
then we get the uh, the RV rolls up and and Walt's not particularly impressed by this because obviously it's like you brought a meth lab to an airport, you idiot. Um, <laughs> and Jesse's reasoning is that he wants to save them a trip, which you know, like I just love the look on Walt's face when he <laughs> when the RV like rolls up. You know, it's just so good. I notice is this the first time that we've actually got the tape over the the bullet holes now? Is that a, is that a first? Oh, um, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, like I, I think it is anyway. I'm not too sure, but uh, yeah, and so you know, he, he's obviously sent Jesse out, um, you know, to, to get supplies, which he's got, and uh, it's it's time to go. So they kind of hit the road, um, and you know, this drive into the desert with this this song, which is "Good Morning Freedom" by Blue Mink, another one I've, I've never seen before. But I, I, I do love the kind of the driving scene. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I love the the fast that kind of classic thing we've seen a bit this season. The kind of like the sped up. Yeah. sort of thing and you're kind of just watching them and that great shot of them just uh you know driving and sort of walt like sleeping i guess and kind of uh doing all that sort of stuff um i'm seeing here that albuquerque has a population of uh at least at the 2010 census it had 545,852 yeah. the estimate of 2019 560,513 so about the population of Tasmania lives right. so, in it's a, so it's a bigger place than I thought and and um, a bigger place than their airport seems to justify from the outside anyway but uh, there's very little you can tell from an airport just from being outside well it's there, so it looks like a very stand like that's to me a very typical looking American airport like they've right. kind of always got like this u-shape sort of top right. tier level thing when you drive to them um so and like, I I kind of yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was assuming that it was the real airport. I mean, I've never, I've never been to Albuquerque. I've never been to New Mexico, so I don't know what that airport looks like. But um, yeah, I mean, it's if you, whenever you go to the states, a lot of the airports look kind of the same. But right. uh, I love airports, so like, it doesn't. Bother me. I'm one of those weird people <laughs> actually really loves airport. I don't think I've seen, never flown into Hamilton before. So I've, I think I've driven past it with you potentially, but I've never. You're, you're missing absolutely nothing. It's <laughs> like real typical cow town. Um, Nick, Nick, Nick. I lived in Cargill. I went to the Invercargill <laughs> Airport multiple times. Like my remember, bedroom's bigger than the Invercargill Airport. I, I remember getting onto New Zealand airports, a slight tangent here, but I remember um, one time flying out of an airport in, in New Zealand and, um, you know, I'm waiting to board this flight and then this guy comes up and he's like, oh, are you going to Wellington or wherever I was going? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, follow me. And he like, I walk out behind him and he puts me on my seat in the plane and then he gets in the front of the plane and flies it. So the <laughs> pilot was, it was such a small plane that, uh, that, you know, the pilot was doing like a million jobs. I think he gave me like a couple of like lollies to eat on the plane as well. And um, so, so yeah, that's new, new Zealand airports. And, well, the biggest thing that baffled me when I first flew um, domestically is that you don't have security check-ins, like check-ins. No, you don't no. go through metal detectors or things like no. that. Like you, you did after the Christchurch attacks. Yeah. Um, and and also like it's, I think it's also when you connected. It was when you flew when we had the direct flight from Invercargill to Auckland is when they introduced them because if you when we flew like Invercargill to Christchurch because you're not on an international thing it's just like oh you're just flying domestically you're fine. Um, which I just, I was, it baffled me. I was like, holy, like, this is weird. Um, but I should also mention, um, now that I'm back in Hobart for the moment, um, we had, at least at the time of recording this, in the last month or so, for the first time since the 90s, 
you can do international flights from Hobart and they're to Auckland. So you can actually, oh, uh, right. okay, if, you, cool. if you want to come visit me, Nick, you can actually wow. drive, a, what, an hour or so north and get in a direct flight from Auckland to Hobart now. So <laughs> That's really cool to know, yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's so, like, it, it, I remember in the 90s, I think they flew to New Zealand. I think they flew to Christchurch and then I also think they flew to Singapore. Right. But we're still called a Hobart International Airport, even though it's never had international flights. But um, It's actually quite an aggressive um, marketing campaign for Tasmania, I've noticed. Um, maybe not so much on TV because I don't watch a lot of TV, but I think like at the movies and stuff, there's been like ads playing before movies that encourage us to go to Tasmania. Well, that makes sense now, doesn't it? Because you got those direct flights. So um, there you go. I, the the tangent still, but like when I remember flying from Invercargill to Hobart, I mean, you look at a bloody map. If I was a pilot, it would take me probably three hours to fly directly to the left. But of course, because there's no at that point, Invercargill has no international flights. Hobart doesn't. So basically, I had to zigzag all the way to the top of bloody New Zealand to the side of Australia to go down. Like such a long trip just for something. If you're looking at it's just there. Can I swim? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's ridiculous. So, eh? um, yeah, I mean, like the the, the whole safety thing is quite weird because I remember flying on another flight and it was like a tiny little one, and there wasn't even like a door into the into the cockpit, so I could actually see everything the pilots were doing. And at one point, like the like the the co-pilot, this, this all links to the final episode of the season, so it's not wasted tangents. It's uh, talking about flights and pilots and stuff. So, um, I feel justified in talking about this. But um, yeah, and he was like the co-pilot, like starts frantically like reaching behind him like trying to find something behind him. I was like holy shit or like has he lost something really important and, so, and now he just pulls it like an apple and starts eating it I'm like for god's sake buy a door so I don't have to view these things like it's just not necessary um, but yeah anyway I remember well, being on a plane in Canada and it was probably one of the emptiest flights well before COVID I'd ever been on and I was sort of sitting on this row I think I was flying from Vancouver to Calgary and it was just all of a sudden like five pilots got on and I'm thinking like like they're sitting behind me I'm like um you're in the wrong seat bud like yours is up the front um but basically I think it was one of those uh carry flights where basically yeah. they've got to go do a flight in Calgary so they're just like oh we'll just we'll just hitch a ride well, if, the pilot had a, if the pilot had a heart attack you'd feel pretty good eh? like, true yeah well that's very true like it's kind of like on all these TV shows there's always a doctor on the flight right like I mean yeah. lost wouldn't yeah. have happened if Jack Shepard wasn't on if Je- there's no doctors there then fucking they're all dead in a couple of days we wouldn't have gotten six seasons out of it right <laughs> yep so like I say this is all a justified tangent because um, planes are going to be a feature of this show um, in the near future so that wasn't wasted people it was a, it's very very good segueing work there, Nick. I'm very impressed. You've done very well with that. Thanks. Good job. Thanks. I, I I did that deliberately. Um, yeah. So so anyway, the the um, the RV pulls up in the their dedicated uh, cooking spot, and um, Jesse's brought next to no supplies with him. Um, they've got like what ten gallons of water or something ridiculous. Like you know, it's not going to be enough if anything goes wrong, which you know is going to happen. Um, and um, you know, he's he's not able to get any reception, so he wants to use Walt's phone to call Jane, which is a little bit of a setup. You know, Walt doesn't want any any record of any phone you know conversation that have happened on his phone because Skylar's going to be tracking him and, and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, the kind of general bickering is really fun. And um, and Walt tells Jesse not to leave the keys on his workstation. Um, <laughs> and so Jesse puts them in the ignition, um, which is obviously going to be um, a, a big point of, of um, contention later in the episode. So, um, and and then just to kind of finish this little point that we have this, that we then go into this cooking montage. And um, this is, I, I really enjoy this cooking montage. We haven't had a good one for a while. Um, and I particularly enjoy it because this is actually a New Zealand-based uh, band singing the song. Um, That's the connection. So, I was waiting so, for you to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> so this is um, the Black Seeds. Who like when I was like when I heard the song, I was like, oh, I'll quickly check what the song is. I was like, the Black Seeds is like 
like the Kiwi band, the Black Seeds. And so I kind of looked it up. And so, yeah, there's a bit of a kind of um, a scene of kind of like this, I guess you kind of like call it like, kind of like pop reggae i guess like it's mm. it, it, it kind of like um defies genre but there's like three or four bands that kind of fit into this particular genre in new zealand and um it, it, i guess it is reggae but it's also like really accessible kind of poppy type so there's there's a few like this and and um yeah i i just i, I really like the song i think it works really really well and i know that the black seeds got quite a bit of um publicity out of the song um that they you know it just became something that um they were known for for a little while so um it was good for their career it was a good time to be the black seeds apparently um as a result of, of being on the show but yeah it's a, it's a great little montage of these guys cooking and um you see I, I love the bit where you see kind of um when they take a break in the sunset which is a nice shot um and you know there's one where walt's eating funyuns and then the next <laughs> one is is uh the two of them taking a piss by the looks of it so um and i really really love the shot of um from like underneath when they're pouring out the kind of liquid meth um mm. the final product i really like that too so there's there's just a lot of like cool like um shots i think they've done a really good job of kind of lining up some of these cool shots and and making it look really really good and featuring kind of the new mexico kind of landscape to to really drive home the point of the remoteness of where they are which will will be important coming up in the episode but all all together i think it's a really great little montage yeah um i'm glad you mentioned the fungians because like i I feel like they're being sponsored by them all of a sudden Um, (laughs) next time i'm back in that part of the world nick i'm going to send you a bag I'm just gonna like I'm gonna Great. find some. I'm just gonna send you a bag of uh, of funyuns. So um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I I think it's um it's the first time yeah we've seen them cook in a while because like it's kind of we've had this sort of whole storyline about them distributing that. So obviously they have been cooking, but um you know it's been a, a little bit since I've seen this. But they've they've, they've upgraded the equipment. Uh, I don't know if uh, I mean, this is kind of like they've done this deliberately because I know we sort of hear Walt earlier on saying like we need this equipment, you know, you can't go to this museum. But like they've full on got a, a distribution line here with these like epic canisters and giant beakers or whatever the hell they're called, flasks and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I guess when they're kind of doing this mass production sort of thing, they, they need to do it. But um, I do like – I like that though. I kind of like this development of where we came from the very beginning to now that they're kind of almost like just an assembly line of things and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, – yeah, some of the shots are great. Like uh, I'm with you, like the sunset kind of the way it goes in. You see the lights on the um, the van, uh, the RV, sorry, and then just sort of all the little sections there as well. Like it's really it's really well put together. But uh, one question I'll quickly ask you, is this the only ever New Zealand connection to Breaking Bad? Do we have anything else? I mean, I don't know if there's any sheep in any episodes. Or- <laughs> I mean, um, there's nothing that's kind of immediately jumping out to me, but I'm sure there will be somewhere along the lines. It's Like I'd really love to know how they chose the music for the show because that just feels like such a random choice. But like the song works. It's a great song. Um, and it kind of works really well on the scene. It's just, it's, it's quite a weird thing to kind of just, kind of jump out of nowhere um to suddenly be on on a big show you know um mm. so uh, yeah there, there probably is more kiwi connections somewhere along the lines there's probably some actor that pops up um not not any that i can immediately think of but i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna definitely cancel that option for the future yeah i don't know if there's a six degrees of kevin bacon to like new zealand or something <laughs> yeah. along those lines but yeah. um yeah we'll, we'll, we'll try and find some sort of because I, I mean 
I can't think of any Australian connections to. Oh, to actually, yes, yes, there is, and and it's coming up in a couple of episodes when Jesse suggests they move to New Zealand. Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten about that, but yeah, so that's like only a couple of episodes away that that Nick, comes you're up, the so. smart one on this, this series. I expect <laughs> you to know this. You got all these Kiwis listening today, going, "Oh, Nick Brew, you don't remember the scene when Jesse wants to go to New Zealand, Brew? Bloody hell, Brew!" Yes, yes, yes. So I did that accent to somebody recently, and they're like, "God, your New Zealand accent's really good." And I'm like, well, I did live there, so I do know at least one New Zealander well, still. So I, I I remember when I was like going to Sydney for the weekend one time, and somebody I said to some someone at work, like, I'm going to Sydney this weekend. They're like, oh, you're going home? I'm like, fuck, <laughs> fuck you. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I that baffled me living there when I'd ring up like the bank and I'd read my account number, like, oh, you Aussie. You pronounce your socks differently. And I'm like, I pronounce mine differently. But the weirdest thing is when you live there, you get used to it. And I remember seeing like a, a video from one of our friends. They'd posted some sort of Instagram video. And I was just like, I was like, their accent was never that thick. I never remember their accent being that thick. And it's kind of like, I must have lived there so long that it just sounded normal. Now it's just all like the thickest thing in the world. I'm like, yeah. But having said that, when I arrived back in Australia from Canada, as soon as I heard, an Aust- I remember being in the LA airport, there was a family of Aussies there. Bogan family, no idea how they could afford to fly to the other side of the world, but good on them. Um, <laughs> judging Bogans, Ben, good job. Um, <laughs> our core audience listening to a show like Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> but it's, they just started talking, and after being living in North America, and then all of a sudden you just hear this, yeah, mate, yeah, nah, nah, yeah, mate. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't want to go back. <laughs> like, we don't sound like that, do we? <laughs> I can't, it, it varies from person to person, like any accent, I suppose. Like some people, it just really hits you. Like I remember being offered a quiche Lorraine in, um, in, in, in Queensland, and that was like, oh my, oh my God, yeah, really, really bad. But uh, yeah, oh man, I like we a good are. Quiche Lorraine. Good. Oh, sorry, so yeah, we're getting so, so sidetracked today. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I like a Keish Lorraine too, and I'm sure these guys would have loved one if they were able to get back to uh, to uh, civilization. But that doesn't work <laughs> out for them, right? That that segue wasn't as good. But anyway, um, so yeah, so basically we end this this kind of montage, and um, and Walt's working out how much you know they're weighing and working out how much it is, and works out that um, they've cooked 19 pounds of meth, which. Uh, um, comes up to being six hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars each, which is, you know, a pretty big deal. And this, they're not even finished yet. You know, like they're planning to do more. Um, but you know, they get this high five, which I love. You know, like Jesse's kind of don't leave me hanging, and then like Walt just like yeah, gets right into I love it. His I love. Yeah, oh, it's really yeah. cool, really cool. Um, and then you know, like so Walt just wants to get back into it, and Jesse kind of convinces him, no, no, let's have a night off. Let's go and get a meal and 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 get a hotel room separately. Denny's. <laughs> Denny's, yeah. going to Denny's, love Denny's, um, and um, so yeah, so they kind of decide to call it a day, jump in the front of the RV, and and um, the battery's dead um, because Jesse's left the keys not just in the ignition but turned over. So like basically the the battery's been draining away there for a while, which um, is not good news. Um, and so yeah, then we kind of get into this kind of fun thing about how they're going to get it going again, and you know they've got the generator obviously, so they're going to hook the generator up to the battery to kind of get that going. And I love this kind of thing of like you're not you're not pulling hard enough, you're not pulling it hard enough, and so and Jesse with the pull this, you know, like pulls like <laughs> grabs his nuts and is like pull this, um, which is like just such a good Jesse Jesse line. Um, and yeah, and then the whole thing goes up in flames, which is fantastic. I just I really love this, um, and you know like quite a dangerous shot as well. 
felt like could have gone could have gone quite badly. Um, it, but I, I also love the whole thing of like Walt has to like um, do the whole siphon, you know, he has to suck the the, um, the hose to kind of get it going and gets a mouthful of petrol. It's like, what does Jesse say? Like, tastes bad, right? Or like, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he does this all the time, basically. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, so obviously this this generator's exploded, and so Walt rushes him to get the fire extinguisher, but Jesse beats him to it and throws the last of their water yeah. over the uh, over the generator. I just and then again, like Walt's reaction is like, you know, fantastic, well done, Jesse. You know, like just as always, just well done. Um, so so yeah, I think that uh, then we kind of you know we get Walt letting Jesse make make a call on his phone because they don't really have any other option at this point. He's going to have to make a call, and, and he calls Skinny Pete to pick them up. And um, another kind of great sunset shot while all this is going on. So 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 yeah, I think that's probably quite a few scenes, and, and you've probably got a few things you want to add to this as well. Yeah, I I like um, Walt's reaction to initially when like the whole. Yeah, realize the battery's dead. And just Walt's just being a dick. Like, was this is this genetic, or like, were you dropped on your head as a baby, yeah. or like, sometimes Walt can just be a real dick. Like, it's kind of, you know, the, the frustrated. Like, it's but again, it's kind of the great dynamic between these two. How like, whenever they have a good scene, you know, there's going to be a bad scene that follows it, right? And then yeah. often when they have a bad scene, you know, there's kind of going to be a good scene. Like, there's just that level of respect between the two that's kind of there. But like, they're just like a bickering mar- married couple half the time. Like, it's just kind of you yeah. know that. Secretly, they respect each other and need each other, but then it's just kind of they're always bickering. But, um, yeah, I mean, God, I, I again, with our experience of drug dealing, but, like, I mean, imagine working all that out together and you're getting, like, $670,000 each. Uh, and what was it that Walt needed? Like, 700 and something or other thousand? 737, yeah. Yeah, thousand. So, he, he's nearly there. So, obviously, you know, making a little bit more. But I kind of like, yeah, Jesse talking him into, like, Denny's and all this sort of stuff. And what does Walt say? Like, separate rooms or something like that? And he's like, well, yeah, duh, separate rooms. But, um, yeah, just kind of this whole, you know, all these unfortunate, a series of unfortunate events that basically happen. Like, I, I do love Jesse with the water. Like, that. that's me. I'm that person. I would have, like, like panicked and grabbed the water and yep. not think. Thinking that I've been awesome and, like, oh, I've done the right thing. I've helped out. And yet I've actually fucked up. Like, that's me doing that. But uh, I swear that that explosion scene of the generators, I swear that's always using like trailers or like recaps or something, isn't it? Like, I swear you see that scene all the time. No, so. really. It's not one that I kind of think of, but uh, it very well could be. It's a, um, I, I guess it's kind of like a cool little scene. It's a bit of a shock when you, it's a bit like the whole um, exploding tortoise from a couple of mm. episodes ago, like kind of just, oh shit, that's, you know, kind of just grabs you. Um, yeah. I do, the other thing I do love is, um, is Jesse with his big like tinfoil, um, like wand that he's yeah. used. <laughs> try and get like a better signal like i remember back in the day that used to be the thing a like tin foil somehow man- managed to get you a better reception coverage so yeah. yeah and yeah so anyway they're kind of waiting around and, and obviously they're in the desert and things get really cold you know so they kind of as the sun's setting this is going to be a bit of a problem for them as well they're going to be really cold and obviously got no way to kind of heat the rv um out there without the generator now so um they call back and and pete's skinny pete's gone the wrong way he's gone over a, a bridge and they're like what bridge you know there is no bridge and then that's when the phone dies um um, and, you know, like I, I do kind of love this thing of them like, you know, sitting in the, the RV, like all kind of wrapped up and um, Walt's kind of in Jesse's clothes, which I really <laughs> like. It's kind of like this, you know, he almost looks like a homeless guy, you know, like in these like these kind of big puffer jacket type things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a cool, cool little scene there. And we kind of wake up the next day and, and Walt's got this plan to kind of like, basically, I couldn't quite grab what was going on here, but, you know, using like a hand pump tool to get the generator to run. I, I don't think they kind of really explained it particularly well, but maybe they didn't need to. You can't just get the idea that this is like a last 
ditch attempt to try and make something work and you know if he can if he can get enough energy behind it that he might be able to make it work or, or something like that and so you know like you kind of get half the day passing with you know the, the two of them taking turns to kind of crank this thing and jesse wants to give it a go and and you know this is when walt has like this massive coughing fit and um and, and jesse kind of puts two and two together at this point that this is kind of why walt is in such a desperate hurry to kind of um find these things out because um you, you know like he, he he needs to kind of make the money um so yeah it's just it's this really kind of like jesse's got this really good ability to kind of read walt mm. in ways that other people can't you know like he does kind of see through the bullshit a little bit more and i think they're they're really quite clever on the show how they do that that they do kind of make jesse you know stupid at times but then he's like really observant about the big issues yeah and it's kind of um yeah, it's an interesting thing you lay you point that out because it's it's right. Like obviously with the sort of the whole aunt cancer thing, and then kind of this as well. So um, is, this is around where they have a conversation. Jesse talking about like drinking their own piss or something like that. Like it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's like warm old <laughs> soda or something along those lines. Um, sure, um, but yeah, like it's kind of very yeah sciencey kind of like. Like, going back to the joke about you hope there's a doctor on the plane, like, if you want to get stuck in the desert, you want to get stuck with a scientist. Like, I mean, God, if this was Jesse and I, we'd, we'd, we'd be dead. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and good old skinny Pete, like, basically, yeah, I'm crossing the river. Wait, what river? <laughs> do we ever find out anything about that? Like, do we ever get a conversation in a future episode about Skinny Pete where he ended up? Like, I kind of want to know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think that kind of ever. Maybe that's going to be one of those short clips that we'll watch in between season two and three of the the kind of webisodes as the Skinny Pete's journey. Maybe that'll be one of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> why? Why does Walt leave his phone on? Like, I feel like. Like they're they're going here with this whole phone thing, and maybe it's so if Skylar rings that you know, like he can sort of answer it. But like, doesn't it make sense to kind of turn the phone off when you're not using it? Like, I, lo- I love a good TV show and movie, and I guess phones were different back then, but not that different. But like, how like oh, we've got to conserve the battery, like, and it always just dies straight away. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel olden day phones, the batteries were better than our newer phones. Like, I remember like the Nokia thirty three tens that would last for about seven weeks. Yeah, yeah, because you're not <laughs> yeah. running anything on them. Like you don't have a big screen that you've got to run all the time. So yeah, yeah I guess that's the reason behind it. But um, yeah, I, I suppose maybe there's a thing of like you know Skylar won't trust him if she finds that he's turned his phone off. But then how would she know? So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, yeah, and then we kind of we, we get them have a go at, at trying to do the motor, and it kind of runs for a second or two, and then kind of stops. And this is where Walt has like this massive coffin fit, and kind of you know like leaves the RV and is kind of sitting in this kind of like another fantastic like wide shot, you know, of kind of him sitting in this grass, and you can kind of just see his head just above the grass, and and kind of Jesse goes out to see him and realizes that he's coughed up blood, so it's like his hands kind of like full of blood almost, and um, yeah, it's kind of like a, a like a, a really kind of poignant kind of like acting scene between these two without a lot of words being said it's just like reaction shots from both of them of like Walt realizing that this is no joke now like you know this is going to be bad news and then here's the kind of physical proof that it's going to happen so it's just a beautiful little scene that I really enjoy and I like I know you kind of mentioned about I, I'm sort of backtracking a little bit here but you're saying about him in his in Jesse's clothes but he's got like the what's he got in his head with the red polka dots on it it's yeah like, it's like yeah a, I don't know something along those lines like a beanie or some sort of yeah. thing but um, yeah, like it's kind of, and it's almost like Lawrence of Arabia walk yes, with kind of yeah. this thing on his head. But it is pretty, yeah, sort of. I love how it's like t- it's done up with like bungee cables as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, it is kind of like a Harry. And then like, um, 
yeah, kind of coming off the back when, like, even Jesse's so desperate. Like, great acting from Aaron Paul when he's just, like, banging the thing and they're just so desperate. I like that shot when um they kind of, like, you've got this whole sequence where Walt's kind of just saying, like, you know, I deserve this or whatever. And kind of the way they've got that long shot of the RV and you've got, like, a dead fox or something in the, mm. in the grass or something along those lines you see kind of rotting there. But, um, yeah, it's kind of, you know, sad. I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit here, the way Walt's kind of saying, like, I deserve this and things like that. So, um. Yeah, but I guess it kind of spurs him on. Jesse's Jesse's Mister Energy. He's he's like Skylar, glass half full, all that kind of fun stuff. He was yeah. he wants to build a robot or something like that, or a yeah, well, it's quite a cool, or? quite a cool scene here because like they're kind of both lying, um, you know, like next to each other on these two camp beds, camp stretches, um, and you know, and Walt's been you know saying a bit of self reflection that he deserves the situation he's in, and um, and Jesse wants to walk, but Walt's like that's a bad idea. You won't last, you know, you won't last ten minutes type of thing, um, and. Um, and this is where Jesse kind of snaps and is like, come on, like, you know how to do it. You can, you can sort this out. Like you can, you've got a whole lab here. You must have something. And he kind of just starts running through all these like bizarre ideas of like build a robot or do this or do that or make a battery. And and, and that's where you kind of see that moment of realization, like another good, just piece of reactionary acting by, by Brian Cranston here. And he's like, Oh, you, you know, you've just come up with the answer. And I just love Jesse's response. Like what make a robot. Like, yeah. like that's the one he thought would be the actual I always- the real answer. I, for, for some reason, I always just think like Walt's kind of toying with him, that he's kind of going on like some big thing. He's like, yeah, you're right. Like, let's do this. Let's do that. And then like, I feel like he's about to yell at him. I always forget that he's actually legitimately come up with like a plan here. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really good. And it kind of gets us to, you know, like whether it's, you know, the actual cooking scenes or the rice and all the um, the thermite that we had last season, you know, like when it, we have these great little moments where kind of Walt has these these kind of science ways of getting out of things. He's kind of like Bill Nye, the science guy, you know, kind of come to, come to well, not come to life, Bill Nye, science guy is alive. Um, but you get Well, he's not now that you've said that by the time <laughs> this gets released, he's going to die. We're based on our track record on our other shows. Thanks for that. Sorry, Bill Nye. <laughs> yeah, sorry to his family. It was unintentional. Um, but yeah, so he can make a bake a, a bake shift, a makeshift battery um, out of the galvanized metal that they have, which is a really cool idea. And so they kind of get to work on doing that. And I love we kind of go to this next scene and we see these two planes in the sky, which I think is a nice little bit of foreshadowing um, of what we're going to get in a few ep- episodes time. And then we get this kind of battery making scene and, you know, like they're looking for screws or, or coins or whatever it is that, you know, that has to have zinc on it is the key thing. Um, you know, and so they kind of get to making these two batteries that are in kind of like they have to have you know, sponges that are soaked and and you know it's it's obviously meant to be really rudimentary and it just works i think it's a, it's a cool scene and um yeah I, it, it's just one of those ones it's, it's great to see walt and his element doing these things that that really work and um so i think probably this is another one i'd like to see whether um the mythbusters guys could could make this one work or not um because it feels just so simple you know like it um it, it shouldn't work but it does um so, so yeah I, I really enjoy it they kind of they have a crack to make it work and it does and, and so they're able to, to kind of drive back so yeah it's, it's just a cool scene isn't that like the potato battery thing it's like a real thing or kind of things like that or i remember the cool like science things you used to do like you know when you did the whole tin can things with the rope in between mm. right like just little things like that um yeah i kind of like it. I, I was going to ask you if this was on the Mythbusters episode or anything along those lines but I really like it kind of when Walt's there and they're putting things together and like Walt's, they've almost got this moment between like Walt's almost like, hey, Jesse's listening to me. Like, you know, he's learning science. It's kind of like he's finally taking things on board. And I just love the little sequence when Walt's like holding that wire and he's like, hey, and what, what, what is it? One thing you need. And he's kind of like, Jesse's like, oh, yeah, wire. And so Walt's just got to look at it and says, copper. 
Again, that's me. That's me in science. Like I would be doing that. But um, (laughs) well, again, there's that whole thing too of kind of going to the fact that you know Walt is kind of like this de facto father figure for Jesse. Um, and you know, like like Walt kind of wants to be the father figure, and Jesse kind of needs a father figure. And so, you know, it's just it's one of those kind of um those themes that runs through this whole show. It's um yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I like there's the moment when they sort of you get the van up and running. It's kind of a it's it's really cool um sort of when they go then to the airport and the one thing i want to say i mentioned it last week and um yeah just i don't i can't really say what i want to say without spoiling something but like let's just say that when we get to el camino remember this episode that's all i want to say cuz i didn't realize the connection between El Camino and this episode until I read it on the Breaking Bad uh, wiki. So if uh, if you happen to read Breaking Bad wiki after you watch episodes, maybe skip the trivia section on this if you don't want to be spoiled <laughs> in El Camino. I'll just say that. Yeah, well, that would be nice. You kind of don't want to be spoiled on this stuff, do you? Yeah, um, sorry, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well i mean el camino in itself is a little bit of a spoiler i suppose but um you know the fact that it even exists is, is something of a spoiler so could be a prequel um, doesn't could have be to be a, a sequel yeah that's right yeah 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 who knows um anyway i'm gonna stop before i just get get myself <laughs> in trouble um but yeah so uh we, we kind of get back to the airport and um you know this is where walt kind of you know, admits he's not expecting good news and and jesse makes that promise that you know regardless of what happens his family will get the money which i, I think is really nice like i think you know it, it kind of just shows that these two you know while they bicker a lot there is kind of like a, fa- a kind of familial and and, and um you know I, I guess kind of like a bond between them even though it's an, an unconventional relationship that these two have so um I, I really like that and um then we kind of cut back to the the family at the doctors and and so you know walt's you know expecting bad news is where we find out that he's actually in remission and um there's a little bit of kind of technical stuff to talk about about what remission looks like but in his case it means that his tumor has shrunk by 80 percent um and kind of have this like immediate um kind of celebration for the family and i, I kind of just love the the kind of shot which is kind of like of the of all five of them and it's kind of like quite high up like going down on them um it's quite like a cool i'm not sure why they chose to use that angle if it's just the best way to kind of get everybody in the shot but i, I really like it i think it's a cool way of, of um of kind of getting them all in that shot and yeah this great moment of celebration for all of them and um and this is where we kind of hear about that this this thing that um i, I forgot to write down what the name of the condition is that he has which means this is what the big shading is on his lungs, which basically means that he's he's um, putting a lot of it's a radiation, um, like it's an effect of the radiation, right? That he's basically it's causing him to cough more than he needs to, um, and the reason that he's coughing up blood is because he's got a tear in his esophagus, and his doctor kind of tells him off and says, you know, no more secrets, You've got to tell us this stuff, and so you know the whole reason he's been coughing up blood has got nothing to do with the cancer, um, and so yeah, it's, it's kind of that whole thing, and and. So it's a great moment of kind of celebration for everybody. Um, but then it ends with this this kind of infamous scene that we've already kind of foreshadowed where he kind of goes into the, the bathroom afterwards and kind of washes his hand. And then you kind of see him like just go to town, like punching the shit out of the, the kind of um, the paper towel dispenser, the metal paper towel dispenser and like dents the shit out of it. And, you know, like I think probably like when I first saw this, I was like, oh, he's kind of like, it's that, you know, it's kind of like the same thing like post Tuco where he's kind of having like this pump up celebration. And then you very quickly realize that actually it's just this frustration because, you know, a big part of Walt was expecting bad news. And, and, you know, like I think he doesn't react in the way that you kind of 
expect him to and and I think we kind of get into this a little bit in the next episode but basically this good news has a bad effect for him in some ways because it will mean the end of the drug dealing you know that he doesn't need to do that anymore and he's actually found something that despite all the challenges he's actually very good at is the way I read this situation he's actually angry that he's going to have to give up doing something that he's discovered he's really good at and go back to his mundane life um, and so yeah I think we're going to get into that more with the next episode um, but that's definitely what it is you know like having now listened to the director's commentary there's absolutely no doubt that that's what it is you know so um, but I do like that it's kind of shot a little bit ambiguously to start with but I think you're not supposed to feel ambiguous by the time that the scene ends it's just a really really great capper on this episode and, and kind of sets us up for a dilemma that Walt's about to face as we kind of move into the next phase of, of his story yeah I, I always kind of always thought it was sort of on those lines and kind of was more of a you know that he had just set himself up so much for death that he kind of was just you know expecting and ready to go so he was doing everything he could to leave some money and then all of a sudden it's like well shit no he's going to live longer now so it's kind of like well I'm not going to get away with this or kind of like you know I'm going to have to live with this longer so yeah but like as you said kind of get it a little bit more at the end but I mean this whole sequence the ending is great like I, yeah I, I love the little moment when Jesse sort of says something along the lines of like you know I'll make sure your family gets it like that's just such a nice little sweet little scene that I just I really respect and appreciate between the two of them um and then yeah the whole sort of family being there and getting the news and sort of um because what is it like 80 percent or whatever it's shrunk by and kind of just their reactions about how like oh that's quite a that's quite a lot um and yeah like I, I do like the, the the doctor's explanation about like you know remission is kind of taken a different route essentially um and again like it's um you know, if, if anyone's sort of been in these family situations and kind of, you know, experienced things like this, like, like yeah, like, it, this felt very realistic to me, um, you know, without going too in-depth into my personal life, but, you know, my mother went through cancer and kind of, you know, you would have meetings like this and you would kind of get updates and you would have these moments where it's kind of like, like that's fantastic news. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's sort of, I, I, I really connect with this scene. But, um, yeah, the... The the see the I this scene like I yeah nominated for the top five just this it's just what is this like barely a is it a thirty second sequence it's, I I feel like it's a very short sequence of just him in the bathroom and just just letting that emotion out just smacking the absolute crap out of it just Brian Cranston's face and like I I would be intrigued to see if they what they talked about on the commentary about how they film this because like and it's a very quick cut kind of like how you see it kind of back and forth back and forth like you don't just kind of get this long shot seeing sort of a Brian Cranston you know punching it or like a, a stuntman or whatever but like I mean it's pretty realistic to me like I'd like to know did the stuntman just bash the shit out of this did they say on the commentary how they did this yeah, I don't, I don't remember. They probably did, and I'd zoned out by that point, to be fair. But um, I think it's probably a case of just, like, it looks like quite strong metal, but they've probably just designed something that's, like, actually, you know, basically almost tinfoil and then just added some ADR sound work in to make it sound like he's punching something a lot harder. You know, it's probably something simple like that, really, that, um, you know, because in the start of the next episode, we obviously get the thing with his knuckles. So, um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I think that um, it's probably a combination of a few little tricks to make that work. Um. And yeah, they almost certainly said it, and I just forgot. So um, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, just pay attention next time, Nick. But um, <laughs> it's I mean, it's just such a powerful sequence. Like, no matter how you interpret it or anything, like I mean, it's just it's just one of these little moments where it's kind of like it's so important from a character's perspective to just see a reaction like this. Sometimes, you know what I mean? It's like you just you just need a character to react sometimes, and this is perfect. Like, it's just so good. Like, you know. 
teasing our 24 coverage. Um, you know, I've mentioned a few times uh, about the end of season three of 24, how it used to really piss me off. Um, because, like, I guess at that point, 24 was known for, like, ending the season on a massive cliffhanger. And sort of the end of season three ended on something very different. Um, and at the time, I'm like, that's it? Like, that that's not a cliffhanger? Like, what are you doing to me? Like, I waited, you bullshit. But, like, when I grew up and got a brain, I realised how powerful that scene is. Like, it's just literally one character just doing something, and that's the end of the scene. And, like, holy crap, like, that, that cuts you deep. Like, that would be the effect on somebody at the end of a day like that. And, like, it's just a reaction. Um, and just, that's just what this is with Walt and kind of just punching the shit out of that and he just kind of walks away. I think we've all had moments in life where we've not necessarily punched a paper towel thing, but we've had a reaction, like, something so powerful. And then all of a sudden you just kind of, like, you sort of you look at yourself and, okay, got that out of my system. Let's move on with life. So, yeah, I love this scene. I, I'm nominating this for the top five. I'm just saying that now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would probably put it in the top five, given what we've got here, but it's certainly worth the conversation when we get there, I think, um, because it is such an effective scene, you know, so, um, and, and yeah, I mean, it is one of those ones that it's a little bit hard to talk about without talking about the next episode, because yeah. kind of it, it starts that, which I always love it when they've got that kind of link into another episode. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, great scene. What's not to like about this? And and I think it's just so unexpected as a viewer. Like, I think if you're when you're watching this for the first time, and um, you know, I wish I could remember more of my thoughts of this initially and what I thought. But at the first time, like, I guess you're expecting everything's kind of building towards kind of you know when this when he does find out this news that it will be good news for him, and it doesn't really cross your mind until this moment that actually him surviving this might be bad news for him um and and i and i really like that it's a it, it kind of takes the viewer by surprise a little bit and 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 i really really appreciate that it's just a, a sign a, a good sign of what the show can do yeah and that's a good point you make about like taking good news bad like it's sort of yeah like it's so easy on a show any tv show and any storyline of cancer being good like you know at the ultimately end of the day they want to you know prolong a character's life and it's sort of like oh you know you can do this in a tv show that inoperable lung cancer is all of a sudden going to be operable but like i also think the premise of this show is that you know this guy's doing this because he's got inoperable lung cancer so like he's going to die right whereas like now all of a sudden you almost get like good news that he's gonna you know i mean i haven't said that they never flat out say that he's going to survive like you know it's not like the doctor here says 100 it's gone you're fine now um so and again that goes back to that sort of realism of it that this is kind of how doctors will talk to you sort of in a situation like this but um yeah and i think it's one of those things too of like um you know i remember as we were kind of winding down the show that there was a lot of talk about vince gilligan going we just this isn't a show that's that's sustainable to keep going forever or for like 10 seasons like it had to end um and i think kind of like you know keeping walt as as a cancer patient for years potentially on the show um there would have been some logistical problems with that i think and so i think ultimately we were probably always going to get to a place where he's maybe not going to be cured but he's going to be you know like getting better um because i think that's kind of where the story has to go so it kind of makes logical sense really if you're thinking about a show that yeah. wants to have some form of longevity but the big question is okay well if he is kind of in a state where his, his life's not a, a threat potentially like what does that mean for him? You know, what does that mean for the story and this character? Because the whole kind of conceit of the show is man has an, you know, an operable lung cancer is going to die. And so Cook's meant to keep you know his family cared for after he's gone. And now that may not be the case anymore. So I think it's a really, really interesting place to take the show from here. Which 
also too, and I, I don't know, I don't know if you know the answer to this or not, Nick. It's kind of, um, you know, I don't know if Breaking Bad was ever a set like this is going to be a five season show or like it was constantly picked up or like at this point we knew there was going to be a season three, things like that. Yeah, I think I think like judging from the interviews and stuff that I've heard over the years, I think that they didn't have a like it will be X number of seasons show. I think they were they were stoked to pick up a season a second season because the first season was by no means a guarantee that they had a, you know a long run ahead of them. Um, but I think kind of Vince Gilligan's always been pretty clear that he didn't see this as something that was sustainable to keep going forever like just the kind of show it is is that you know when you've got somebody who's you know doing illegal acts and lies on top of lies is that actually those lies can only hold up for so long before you know the the kind of consequences of them start to impact on the characters so i think he kind of knew that there you know there was going to have to be an end point coming sooner rather than later but i think it's also kind of um, been a little bit notorious for these guys didn't have a a fully planned out fleshed out idea on where these characters would go they kind of had like kind of hit points but getting them there was was you know like there was a lot of gray and so i think when we get into the season five we might start talking about a few places where vince gilligan has painted himself into a few corners um because they you know they kind of knew the rough outline of where they were going but they maybe made some decisions that meant that they were in a bit of a tricky spot onto how they how they end up telling the story, and so that will be an interesting place to go. So, um, yeah, at this point in the story, do they kind of know what's going to kind of come next? They, they would have had a rough outline, but I think they probably were entirely sure of what would happen, kind of episode to episode. Yeah, and I think the thing is, like, I don't know. There always seems to be this misconception with certain TV shows that you need to know where it's going. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's. It helps and it doesn't help. But, I mean, I, I don't know how many TV shows out there a, a creator can full-on say, well, I knew this was going to be a four-season arc. It's going to have 12 episodes in every season. This is going to happen. You know, like Lost was notorious for kind of, you know, backing itself into a corner and kind of, oh, they didn't know where they were going. And, yeah, they didn't know where they were going sometimes. But, like, you know, even when you plan that a season's going to end, because I think I'm pretty sure from memory the last three seasons of Lost were like, okay, boom, we've got six seasons in total, four, five, and six. We'll plan it out how we can. It still gets criticised, you know, so it's kind of like you can't win either way. But mm. Breaking Bad's a show to me that never, like, I, from what I've, the, the couple of times I've watched through, I've never thought to myself, well, this is a plot hole, this has happened. Like, it just, it feels very from start to finish, mm. um, no matter sort of, you know, there's a few things here and there, sure. But uh, the reason I sort of brought that up is because, um, you know, I guess realistically, if we're watching this and do, does a viewer legitimately think that Walt's going to get news that he's got a week to live? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, mm. I mean, maybe, who knows? Like, uh, who knows? Strange things have happened on TV shows, killing off someone like, you know, big at the end of season two. They could have just yeah. gone completely balls to the wall. Walt dies. It's, and maybe he does die. I'm not trying to say he doesn't die. Who knows? Um, but well, I've seen the previews for like the, the black and white things, you know, next week. It's a big sort of spoiler. But um yeah, like you kind of, it's weird. It's weird that you obviously sort of expect this to happen at the end of the episode, but it's still almost like a, an emotionally shocking scene in some way. Yeah, yeah. I, and look, I think I'm, I'm trying to think of the example while you're talking about that of like a show that's been like um, meticulously plotted out that they knew exactly where it was going. I'm pretty sure that there are some. I just think they're not jumping out at me immediately, you know, but there, there will definitely be some cases where that has been the case where there's a really you know a, a clear plan for, for what they're going to do the number of episodes or number of seasons that they have kind of planned for that um and you know like 
this is where the story's going. And then there's things which, you know, I think it's always tempting if you get a show that takes off and it's a hit. Well, it's like you don't want to end it. And, you know, yeah. like how many shows have there been where it went on too long, you know? Um, and, you know, like that they should have cut it, you know, like two seasons earlier because they just end up running out of ideas and, and then it just runs out of steam right at the end when you want it to be good. Which is an American thing too. Like it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other places, but I mean, obviously the UK sort of always generally gets it right, don't they? That they often, you know, I mean, you think of something like Faulty Towers, you know, what did it have, like 13 episodes, 12 episodes, and it's basically perfect. Um, mm. And there's so many other UK TV series. In Australia, I know we kind of sit in the middle. Like, we've definitely got some shows that last forever and have like 20-odd episode seasons, um, whereas we've also got kind of, you know, the, the British model as well. But I think kind of in this golden age of television now with, you know, a whole series dropped on, on Netflix and things like that, it's sort of, um, it's it's not as common. And I think kind of network shows nowadays, just they that's what they are. People take, like, I mean, I... I I watch a few cheesy, crappy network shows. Too. Like I watch Blue Bloods. I mean, it's 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 not brilliant, but like I mean, it's just sometimes you just need a bit of trashy kind of old school cop show to kind of take your mind off things. Um, you know, I'm never going to sit here and do ten seasons of Blue Bloods, but um, yeah, like sometimes you need that. But you know what you're getting when you're watching network television. You know what you're getting versus a you know cable and cable often get it right but then at the same time like i know you're a walking dead fan that's still going isn't it hasn't mm. they got a reputation of kind of long one the two i mean i love house of cards and i think kind of at least the last season was absolutely rubbish but uh you know some of the other ones kind of it just waned over that but um yeah i guess it depends but I, I feel we don't get that as much in modern television as we used to say 20 years ago when it's just like come on just end this show already like the simpsons come on i love the sim we all love the simpsons all love the simpsons but like even I've struggled to watch it nowadays in what yeah. thirty-two seasons. Like, come yeah. on! Like- I think I think the other thing too is that a lot of these these actors now get to the point where, like, you know, being on TV used to be like making the leap from TV to to movies was quite hard. Yeah. Um, and so actually, if you were in like a hit TV show, Doesn't there would always now. be. Yeah, yeah. Well, there used to be a real call if you were in a hit TV show. It would be like, okay, well, I I need this to end so that I can carry on and do you know movies mm. whereas now you can kind of jump between the two quite comfortably you know like brian cranston can be in breaking bad and then in movies yeah. and then back in a tv show and, and nobody really is bothered by that so um but i think you know filming a tv show is actually quite demanding on actors in terms of their time you know it's it's not like a movie where you know you're away for six weeks or whatever you know and you and you film everything and then it's done like this is something you have to do for weeks on end every year you know and so yeah. and, and so i do think there is a degree of like these guys want to know how it's going to end and that there is a plan to end it and I think that I, I like the fact that while this feels very well plotted there is also some messiness to it and that feels like what it would be in real life you know if this was actually something that was happening in real life there would be some messiness along the way yeah 100% and like that's we've we've constantly talked about the realism of this show and I mean it's not 100% realistic but like even the stuff that is maybe not realistic still feels realistic it's got kind of a tone about it that makes it realistic and yeah, like, you're right, the me- that's a good way of putting it, the messiness along the way. And, and, again, that goes back to my point about, like, you know, it's not like this doc. This doctor has not uttered the words, you are cured. Like, if this was a network show on, like, NBC, they're going to be like, there's a miracle. Like, you took Renzo Shortland Street. I mean, it always happens on fucking soap operas. There's a miracle. We misdiagnosed it. I mean, let's nip tuck. Classic example. Like, we hated that storyline around Christian and you've got, like, two weeks to live and, oh, got your results around the wrong way. My bad. Um, so, but like, this is like, this is how it is in real life. Like this doctor is kind of laying it out in the line and saying like, like, it's actually good news. Like, I don't want to use the word remission, 
but you kind of like you there and thereabouts. You know what I mean? So like yeah, even I, if you yeah. analyze the way the doctor talks, like this is good news, but it's not like you are going to be good. You've got another 30 years ahead of you. You know what I mean? And, and I think one of the things too is that, um, you know, but before he became um, scandal ridden, I remember reading um, Lance Armstrong's book, um, which was, you know, before you knew all the backstory, it was actually a really interesting story about this guy who had overcome cancer and, you know, won the Tour de France and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there was kind of like a, a really interesting part where he talked about what remission was like, that you just kind of live in this constant fear that the cancer is going to come back. And so I think that even though he, well, and remission here there's a really great arc now to tell about somebody who's potentially living in fear yeah that, that cancer is going to come back so if that's what they wanted to do they've got another option there as well so him him being in quote-unquote remission doesn't mean that this cancer storyline has to go away it just changes and i think that that's really cool um and so potentially you've got some options there in terms of how you set the story out long term so yeah i i think that it's it's a really good way to kind of cap this episode and and i think kind of this and the next episode is almost like a bit of a closing chapter in the first part of breaking bad before we move into the next part so um yeah I, th I think this is a really important episode besides anything else and maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so highly regarded is that um while i think it is an entertaining and good episode it's also a really important episode too yeah and that's kind of like i mentioned that sort of in terms of character development and moving the story forward this is a very important episode so um yeah i mean this isn't better call soul you're not going to put this on on a saturday afternoon when it's rainy to be entertained you know what i mean um but yeah, it's, it's an important episode in the fact... Like, I like that, what you just said there. It's kind of like a closing chapter. Because there's stuff next week, which is kind of uh, interesting. with sort of Walt and kind of his attitude all of a sudden, like certain drinking scene. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of... And yeah, so, you know, it's, I like that summary. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, I think we've, we've kind of covered this pretty well. Um, and I think we can kind of move... If I do say so myself. Um, and, and we can kind of move into um, our kind of rating for the episode. So I know you were you sounded like you were maybe a little bit on the fence when we talked last week and, and maybe yeah. heading into this one. So, like, I'll give you mine and then you can maybe think about where you're going to put yours. I mean, it, for me, it's it's definitely a buy. It's a good episode. Um, you know, I've got this at number nine. So I've got it behind Cats in the Bag um, in front of Bit by a Dead Bee. Um, I think it's... Um, you know, like I'm starting to build some tears and I think kind of like my my top six kind of all feel like really good episodes and then kind of, you know, I think kind of like seven through maybe 12 uh, are kind of good, solid episodes um, that, you know, are, are not absolutely amazing. Wow, blow me out of the water, but are very good episodes and it kind of sits, I guess, near the top of that. Um, so I think it's a really good episode. Um, it, it's got some really um, fantastic oh, cinematography, um, some great acting between these two main characters characters and some, and some kind of important if not absolutely massive moments so um, it's a very very solid buy for me I've got absolutely no problems buying this episode it's not one of the absolute amazing standout episodes of Breaking Bad but again we're talking on that continuum of Breaking Bad like there is really no such thing as a bad episode of the show this one's just maybe not an absolutely outstanding episode yeah I'm with you there and I think kind of yeah I was on the fence whether I would rent or buy this one but I think I've, I've switched it around to a buy I think because it kind of you know, I think it, going back to what I was saying about it's an important episode. We've got a great moment at the end of the episode. There's some great acting, some great visuals. You know, there's, there's nothing to do. Like, this doesn't – you should be buying this episode just in terms of what it is. But having said that, um, I've actually got this as my lowest buy. So I have this at 13th because <laughs> um, I'm sort of looking what's above it and kind of – yeah, so my previous lowest buy was uh, episode four of this season, Down. Um, 
but uh, I think I kind of liked some of that uh, a little. I just, I just like the Jesse kind of down on his luck stuff a lot more, and I can sort of get more out of that. So, yeah, I mean, again, not a bad episode. I've, I've bought it still, so um, I'll put it there. And just actually an interesting stat here for you, Nick, which puts a bit of pressure on us for next week. Uh, with us both buying this episode here on the Oz Network, we've officially bought uh, TV and movies, 999 of them. So <laughs> we'll next week bring our 1,000th buy. Um, and, of course, you've got to remember that that's not necessarily that we've covered 999 episodes of movies. It's more of a case of sometimes we've had three or four people on some episodes and there's been multiple buys. But, uh, yeah, there we go, 999. We're, we're nearly at uh, the quadruple digits. So there's a fun fact for you. Well, I'm not. Af- I'm not afraid of pressure. Um, I think next week's a, an interesting episode, and I think it kind of pairs with this one quite well in terms of Walt's story. Um, so yeah, I think there's some things in there that we're going to like. There's one particular scene in it that I really, really enjoy, uh, and there's one one scene in it that I actually enjoyed more watching it this time than I kind of expected I would. Um, but overall, there's probably a few things in it that we've been a bit critical, especially kind of like the the Ted stuff. There's quite a bit oh. of Ted stuff in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> which which might color what we're thinking about it, but I I, I think there is some um, some definite stuff to chew over, like there has been in this episode. So um, we're not going to be short on things to say, regardless of, of where we end up rating that episode. I think. One thing I ask you should also add, Nick: twelve buys in a row for you. Wow! wow. Will you it be lucky roll. thirteen? You're in a sausage roll. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm intrigued for next week because I remember you bringing up at one point a storyline in this episode where you weren't too high on and it wasn't the Ted stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's one scene in it which I forgot how epic it is um, and I was like, wow. And it's got a really good song kind of as a background part of it as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm intrigued to talk about next week. And fucking Ted. Oh, God, here we go. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just ignore the Ted stuff and maybe we'll just go over sort of Walt hanging around the house a bit, which is always good right yeah it's interesting um <laughs> I, I, a, I, sound I, reaction yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, I like that in the the breaking bad book that i've got they talk about the the episode titles and for, for next week i know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves but they talk about it being an ironically titled episode that walt spends much of his time under the house when the episode's called over um so so yeah there's you know an, an interesting way to kind of phrase that i'm not sure why it's called over that's all they say about it in the book um so i'm sure there's a, there's a reason for it but uh, i'm probably missing something big there but uh anyway we'll we will get to that when we get to it um you know um really appreciate any feedback you've got on what we're doing especially from you colin assuming you're still listening kind yeah of colin 16 episodes in or whatever we are now but uh yeah i mean um make sure you're following us on all the usual kind of social media platforms always willing to uh, to hear what you've got to say um you know and we've got a patreon as well if you if you want to hear more if you want to see uh me and ben maybe shave our heads and look like a heisenberg if that if, if that's what it takes to get you on <laughs> on patreon um have you ever no, shaved your head before nick on when I was like 16 so long long time ago now um, there's a story involving that as well but we'll get into that in another time um, <laughs> so I, th- I think we've probably gone down enough stupid New Zealand anecdotes for one episode so probably uh, need, need to cap it here and, and talk about them another day but uh, yeah looking forward to coming back and talking next episode it's been been great to go through a, a pretty iconic episode here um, my name is Nick and uh, a lot of my paintings look like vaginas good to know 
Um, my name is Ben, and congratulations, you just left your family a medium-sized Subaru. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)